on DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome to the Fan Network show on TalkSport 2, a brand new show for all of you fans who love your EFL football. I'm your host, Justin Beattie, and every week I'll be discussing all of the biggest talking points, news and views from around the Football League with the most important people, you, the fans. TalkSport has created a home for club-dedicated podcasts, the TalkSport Fan Network. These are podcasts made by the fans for the fans so that every supporter can hear about the latest stories from their club. These podcast hosts will join me each week and discuss the biggest stories from their club. This evening, we'll discuss Stoke slipping into the bottom three of the championship table. There are serious worries over potential relegation for the Potters. What's gone wrong this season? Michael Stockley from every step along the way will tell us, I'm sure. We'll also hear all about Stoke manager Stephen Schumacher's former side Plymouth Argyle. How have they coped since his departure and what have the fans made of Ian Foster's start at the club? We'll be joined by Ben from the Green and White podcast. We'll also speak to Carl James from Do Not Scratch Your Eyes as Watford boss Valerian Ishmael is under serious pressure at the club. Is it only a matter of time until he's replaced? Reports suggest he's on the brink. We'll see what Carl thinks. Finally, we'll dive into League One and discuss Bolton's chances of automatic promotion. They sit third in the table, but are supporters starting to worry after back-to-back defeats? Ryan Latham from the Trotter Chatter podcast will let us know later on. Lots to get through over the next hour. This is the EFL Fan Network right here on TalkSport 2. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. I'm Justin Beatty. Glad to have your company over the next hour. We start with Stoke City, and it's fair to say it's not been going to plan for the Potters this season. They sit in the championship bottom three with relegation to League One a real possibility. But what's gone so wrong for a team who were in the Premier League only six years ago? The players and manager Stephen Schumacher were booed off the pitch after their defeat away to Cardiff on Saturday. But can the team pull themselves out of this situation? We're joined now by Michael Stockley from every step along the way, who can hopefully shed some light on the situation. So, Michael, what's gone wrong this season, or has this situation been coming over the last few years? I think there's always been a slippery slope for Stoke, unfortunately. I think we've seen since we're down from the Premier League, it seems to have been one issue after another. FFP was to blame. We managed to get rid of FFP, and I think that the main issue that we've got right now, if I'm honest with you, is, is down to poor recruitment. Um, Ricky Martin needs to take a really long look at himself and, and how he how he judges players and, and those around him. Because I think, to be honest with you, Justin, to, to sign, what, 24 players and 19 of them didn't even play last week? It says wow. a lot about the quality. So we're in a tricky situation purely down to bad recruitment this season. How frustrating was that to see the teams around Stoke win at the weekend, therefore dropping Stoke into the bottom three? Um, very frustrating. I mean, I talk about when you want results to go with you and they completely and utterly go against you, as you rightly point out. I mean, I mean, some of the results, again, are, are quite, quite freaky results. But at the same time, look, I think other teams, and I don't like to do us down too much, but I think other teams have got a lot of bottle and a lot of fight in them. I think they've got a lot of gritty players, you know, players that will pull you through difficult games. And when you're in this situation, as they are like us, I think you need a little bit of that, that solid mentality, solid experience in the championship to help get you through this. And I, um, unfortunately, I do think that's one area we are lacking in at the minute. 
Really? Okay. So the players and manager were booed off the pitch at Cardiff at the weekend. Was that justified, do you think? I think booing's probably a bit harsher, if I'm honest. We had more possession. We had more shots. We realistically should have probably come away with something, despite us not being very good. Unfortunately, at the minute, I think the poor defensive displays, marred with the fact that we just haven't got a clear goal scorer, um, clearly is our problem. And and like anyone knows who follows football, you can't keep them out and you can't score them at the other end. It's only going to end up one way. So booing was extremely harsh without a shadow of a doubt. I think there's still a lot of runners. There's still a lot of hard workers in this team. We are simply just lacking that quality to to go, you know, even go one up would have been nice. I think we've, <laughs> this season, to be honest, I mean, you, you, we concede. I think we've only got, I think maybe one point. It might, might not even be that much um, from when we've gone 1-0 down and we just capitulate from there. It's it's horrible to watch sometimes. Yeah, we we all have days like that as fans. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's not great, is it? It's not great. Um, were you happy with Stephen Schumacher's appointment as manager? Um, I was indifferent to it. I, I like to try and give all managers a fair crack of the whip because how many times have we had people come in and go, oh, fantastic, you know, looks like he's going to someone that takes you somewhere and then it doesn't happen. And I don't think that's so much down to necessarily managers. I think that's down to, unfortunately, our bad record in recent years. And I said something on our pod the other week, like we're turning into another Watford is <laughs> the way that it feels. You know, you're changing your manager every five minutes. <laughs> yes. And yeah. <laughs> As a Watford fan, I know all about that. Yes, well, yeah. there you go. You know, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Like we're we're almost following that mold, and it very rarely ends up going very well. So, I I think Schumacher's got a lot of qualities. I do think he could be a good manager for us. He's 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 probably the the right manager at the wrong time for me. I do think he's far too expansive. He he's playing these inverted fullbacks with, well, fr- frankly, we've got one recognised left back at the club, and he's injured. Uh, we've got a 19-year-old playing at right back. So there's times to play that you how you want to play. This isn't mm. one of them. You need mm. to set us up in a way that's going to stop us being easy to beat. And we'll build from there next season, just get us over the line this year. And his tactical naivety and inexperience is probably costing us a little bit right now. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you kind of answered this next question, but is he at fault right now? Or does this whole situation go bigger than just him and the team on the pitch? It's bigger than him. I, I think absolutely. I'll come back down to the recruitment size. Um, I know forgetting January, I think what was it, 19 players, 18, 19 players who signed in the summer. And we went foreign, which is quite ironic, actually, because Stoke fans over the years have been, we need to stop going down the British route. It's not done us any good. Let's go for foreign players. And right. they go completely the other end of the scale. Yes. And from 19 players, you know, Jean Ho, Berger, um, Junior. And beyond that, would you keep any of them next season? I don't think many Stoke fans would. So I think that that's the problem. It boils down to quality. And again, I've, as you said, I kind of touched on just, but Schumacher then needs to recognise that he hasn't got the players that he needs in the building to do what he needs to do. So mm-hmm. stop leaving us so open. If we have to play ugly for the next 12 games to pick up points, no Stoke fans are going to complain about that. He's got a free reign there. If mm-hmm. he comes out and says, right, I'm going to play really ugly football, we're going to put two banks of four, not that a manager would ever say this, but we're going to have two banks of four and we're going to just try and squeeze through games. Nobody would complain at that, honestly, Justin. They wouldn't. So could we see Schumacher sacked if the situation doesn't change in the next few weeks? <laughs> not, you know, nothing's off the table with this club right now. Um, right. Honestly, I think we'd be stupid. He's paying for somebody else's mistakes, like a few managers before him. 
we've made bad recruitment and is it fair that he he takes that? No. Uh, I do think also if we did go down, which is, I'm, I'm sure you're comfortable, that is my belief that we will go down. Uh, I think he's the right man to get us back up personally. He's shown, I think, with Plymouth that he, I think he can do that. Uh, so I just think the time for Saki managers is done. Forget it. Let's get a director of football in, someone who knows what they're doing, and let Schumacher work with him to make things right. Uh, this, it doesn't come down to managers. Too many have failed to constantly be a manager's problem. Again, being a Watford fan, I echo those sentiments. Um, so, I mean, you kind of alluded there to the fact that you think uh, you might go down. Do you think Stoke will survive the drop or is relegation a certainty? This is really tricky because we don't like to say bad things about our own club. And I know I've just slated it the last few minutes, but... Um, <laughs> it's, okay. it's therapy, mate. That's what it is. It's therapy. See, yeah, absolutely. I think what, what I look at is, I think before last week, it was three wins in 20. In any division, that is disastrous, right? That yeah, only yeah. ends one way. Yeah. Now, we look at the next run of fixtures. We've got Middlesbrough this weekend. They're a team pretty much not really playing for anything. So I think that's a, a good chance. They're not pushovers. But take Middlesbrough out of the equation. You've got Leeds, Bison Promotion, Preston, again, up there. Norwich, really hard to beat. Hull, very good team, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Huddersfield and the likes of West Brom. Huddersfield, again, is showing that they can score goals. So I look at the run of fixtures and I go, okay, next six, do I think we'll win any? I think our next win, and I've said this for weeks, our next win will be against Huddersfield on the April the 1st. The problem wow. is by then, you're firmly in that bottom three and yeah. do you really want to go into the final five, six games and be desperate to beat the likes of Southampton and Swansea and West Brom? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really concerned. We, we lose at the weekend. We're in serious, serious trouble. Yeah, for sure, for sure. How difficult has it been to see Stoke's demise as a fan? You were a Premier League side only six years ago, right? Oh, it feels a lot longer than that. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's such a shame. Like when you, The problem is, every now and then these videos surface and you see Shakiri, Arnautovic, Peter Crouch, the people that have pulled on the red and white, and you're like, we've had some amazing times as a Stoke fan uh, in, mm. in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years realistically and it's just it's just a slow steady decline and now it feels like it's about to just go off the other end of the cliff at this point and you're right it's, it's really hard it's really hard to get to terms with if I'm honest and you know we've we've had a slight change in the guard with John Coates coming in instead of Peter Coates um, and a lot of people would say to them that that's down to you know since John's come in that's down to him and he's he's, he's failed in a number of areas I mean I, I'm not sure if I go quite that far but it's 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 hard because a lot of Stoke fans are battered, they're bruised, they're you know the whole bear pit type atmosphere at the stadium doesn't exist anymore, mm. and you know John Walters has come out this week and talked about you know let's everyone get behind you know for the first ten minutes etc. I think it says a lot that he's having to come out and try and rile the fans up to get the team through it when before that was a given, and people mm. have just had it drained out of them, and mm-hmm. you can't give Stoke fans abuse for that. It's been horrible for years now. Yeah, yeah. All right, mate. So the, the name of your podcast is Every Step Along the Way. How can people find that? Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, all the normal podcast feeds. So, uh, you know, where the, the Spotify's of this world, Apple Pods, um, you you name it, you can find it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's been going really well. We've been going for about three years or so now. And uh, we're proud to say we've never missed a single podcast, which uh, is hard work. And sometimes we wish we could miss a podcast, if I'm honest. But, uh, yeah. yeah.
All right, mate. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time. It's been great speaking to you. Thank you for coming on the EFL Fan Network. Cheers, Justin. Thank you. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Next up, we'll discuss the reports this week that Valerian Ishmael is on the brink of being sacked as Watford manager. How important is this weekend's game against Millwall for the Hornets? Carl James from Do Not Scratch Your Eyes joins us next. That's coming up right after the break, right here on TalkSport 2. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. Plenty still to come as we hear about Plymouth's season so far. A new manager in, of course, as well with Ian Foster now in charge. Ben from the Green and White podcast will join us shortly. But first, and speaking of new managers, could we see a new one soon at Vicarage Road? Reports this week suggested that Valerian Ishmael was on the brink of being sacked as Watford manager. But... He remains in charge ahead of a hugely important game against Millwall on Saturday. Could this potentially be his last game as the Hornets boss? Let's get the thoughts of Carl James from the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast, who joins us now. So, Carl, how close is Valerian Ishmael to getting the sack? Uh, it's a great question. I've got I've got to be completely honest with you. Um, after the last couple of performances, I know we, uh, we recently beat Rotherham away. But the last home performance against Huddersfield was, to say poor, uh, an understatement. I think he's um, he, he's a manager under pressure. If you look at his home form this season, it, it just hasn't been good enough. He uh, he doesn't seem to have a plan B. And he, he almost looks like a, a, a bit of a defeated man after the last game. So And we've, we've got a real tough trip to, uh, to Millwall this yeah. weekend as, as, as we speak. And I... I, I fear for him. I really do. I fear for uh, if if that turns out to be a bad result, I fear he may be uh, down the road. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So Huddersfield on Saturday, uh, another home defeat. Some peculiar substitutions on twenty six minutes. Why do you think he made them, uh, and how do you think that affected the rest of the match? It completely changed. I mean, for for five or ten minutes after the substitutions, it, it seemed to go up a couple of notches. I was uh, looking at it as a, as a bit of a ta- tactical play, a bit of tactical genius, dare I say. But it, it soon it soon unfolded um, after making that. I think the the, the reason for, for the initial substitutions at that time was that they were playing Dennis centrally um, mm. and and playing like, like a long ball up yeah. to, to up to try and you know up to Dennis to try and win headers in the air. You know that anybody. Player on the pitch, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So any anybody yeah. that's seen Dennis, it's that's not his game. He's he's pacey, he's powerful, but he's not going to compete fifty fifty with championship defenders. That's, that's just never going to happen. And he he made the uh, he made the decision to to take uh, Kone, 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 yeah, Kone went off as well. Which again, this season he's probably been one of Watford's best players. Yeah, I, I would I would argue that on the day against Huddersfield he was poor, but Honestly, Justin, there were there were so many poor performances out there that day. Yeah, you're not wrong. Do you think that the playoff chances for Watford are now effectively over? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, you thought that a while ago, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that a long time ago. Um, we, we, in in terms of squad depth, what we have to offer, that there, there just isn't enough to get you through. Uh, 
a championship campaign, let alone um, you know trying to get in the playoffs or, or promotion. We we really mm. are short of a of a good few players to to get us into that position. And and there's there's so many good teams up there this season. I, I just can't see us getting anywhere near it. And, and mathematically, although it's it's not impossible, it's not going to happen. Uh, there, there's no. more chance of me and you winning the lottery this season than <laughs> than uh, than yeah. for getting in the playoffs. Yeah. So, what will a successful season now look like to Watford fans? Do you think? I'd argue, can we have one? Um, I think at the beginning of the season, we would probably accepted with all the changes and the, and the fact that you know we we had a a new manager that they were going to back because they they offered a a brand new contract very early on in his you know in his role. Hmm. I think everybody probably would have accepted a, a mid table finish in terms of a project. Uh, and, and a building project to bring players in, but we we just haven't done anything in the transfer window to to kind of replicate that. And I fear that there's there's teams in League One currently that have similar um, or have had similar issues to Watford, and I yep. use Reading as an example. Yep. It's very easily done, and I think this this current transfer market that's going to be coming up at the end of this season could be one of the biggest in Watford's, I don't want to over-dramatise it, not Watford's history, but in recent years. Yeah. Because we, we really do need to um, to rebuild because this this team is a is a million miles away from being a, a Premier League side at the moment. So you mentioned Millwall away on Saturday. I know you're going. I know you're also going via boat, which uh, intrigues me. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm uh, not rowing. Don't worry. No. <laughs> <laughs> you and how many others? 300 and something, is it? Yeah, about about 380 uh, Watford fans on the River Thames, uh, leaving from Blackfriars, mm. uh, going right round the, the, the Thames uh, towards Millwall, which should be interesting. We'll probably get sunk when we get nearby. <laughs> But okay. um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So but, sailing, uh, sailing aside, uh, yeah. what are your thoughts on how the match will go? Tough game. Uh, Neil Neil Harris effects uh, looks like it's it's well underway. Manager bounce. They've uh, they've had a fantastic result against Southampton uh, midweek. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a real difficult one. I haven't heard about Dennis, whether he's going to be fit or not. Um, but let's assume he isn't. That means we've only got one fit striker to choose from. Yeah. Do you think? That means we might get to see Jack Greaves getting an appearance at the Den. I, well, I'd love to. I'd love to say yes. I'd love to say that is going to happen, but I, I, I really can't see it. I don't see that the manager's going to trust someone like Jack away from home, uh, which is a shame because, unfortunately, at the moment, uh, Ryovic, who, who, you know, has seen a lot of football this season and, and got a few goals, but in terms of performances, just isn't up there. Um, I, I would be really surprised if he trusted a a youngster away at Millwall. But I, my own opinion is I'd, I'd love to see it because, quite honestly, we've got no, nothing else to lose at this stage of the season. Yeah. Now, obviously, I know how Do Not Scratch Your Eyes came about, but I'm going to get your side of it all um, and also where it can be found and the sort of stuff that the podcast does. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we started Do Not Scratch Your Eyes during COVID times, actually. It was uh, my, myself and you <laughs> it was yeah it was yeah <laughs> but, um, yeah that decided that there was a there was a niche in the market and there was an opportunity to be uh fair I think is the best word fair on the team fair on what's going on in the club um and, and we just went for it and it you know I think our first podcast that we put out 50 maybe 50 listeners I think so, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's 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 now it's it's spiraled to say, but it, it's brilliant. <laughs> it, it is brilliant. 
And this week we had four hours with Troy Deeney. Uh, they're being released as sort of hour-long yeah. chunks. How good a guest was he? Fantastic, wasn't he? He was brilliant. Um, I think when me and you first started uh, the podcast, we we had Troy very high up on the list as a, as a former player that we'd like to speak to. And, and to spend you know, an hour with him would have been a privilege, but, but he really opened up and he, he gave us everything, you know, no, no holes barred. It was, it was, it was fantastic. And it, he, uh, I, I come away from it knowing that he was a, he was a true Watford legend. It, it, yeah. Brilliant to spend time with him. Are you vlogging on Saturday? Are you, uh, I, w- I will be, yeah. yeah, I will be. The vlog will be, uh, the vlog will be up. I'm, I'm expecting a, a, a good vlog, shall we say? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that can be found on the, uh, on the YouTube channel. Uh, do not scratch your eyes. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Carlos, as always, pleasure to speak to you, mate. Good luck on Saturday. Uh, keep out of trouble. And uh, thanks for coming on the EFL Fan Network. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Up next, we'll be talking all things Plymouth Argyle. Ben from the Green and White podcast will give his verdict on their season so far and tell me all about his love for the club. Stay with us right here on TalkSport 2. On DAV Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network, on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. Shortly, we'll be discussing Bolton's automatic promotion hopes in League One as it heats up at the top of the table. But first, let's stay in the Championship and discuss... Plymouth's season so far. A new manager at the helm after Stephen Schumacher left. So how has the new boss, Ian Foster, settled in? And how are the Argyle fans feeling about the job he's done so far? Let's find out as Ben from Green and White Podcast joins us now to give us his thoughts. Ben, what have you made of Plymouth's season so far after returning to the Championship? It's been a real roller coaster. Um, Obviously came up with a lot of confidence having beaten two really good teams to the League One title. Um, got a result on the first day of the season against Huddersfield, a team we were expecting to be sort of competing with in and around us, a real convincing performance, then took Saints to the very last minute of extra time, took them to, till then to get the winner. So we were we were quite confident. Um, had, a, had a couple of bad results at home against uh, Millwall and then Swansea, which kind of dented that. Um, but we seem to be beholding our own. We seem to be, you know, we were among the top scorers in the league, even though we were leaking at the back. Um, so yeah. we were watching entertaining football, um, catching the eye of a lot of pundits, etc. And I think there hadn't been for, for Ipswich tearing up the, the division the way they did. I think um, there would have been a lot more attention on um, on the manager as it as it happened. There was attention on the manager nonetheless, yeah. yes. uh, because as the season was rolling along quite nicely, obviously uh, there, there were links to a few clubs, and then uh, the Stoke the Stoke job became available, and um, yeah, he was out of there as quick as yeah. he could with a lot mm. of the backroom staff obviously at the one of the most vital moments of the year not only the busiest part of the schedule over the Christmas period did he sort of vacate um, but also it's the, the transfer window he obviously mm. had a, you know, knowledge of, of clubs targets etc so there's intellectual property there that as it were that the clubs is worried about one of our players was recalled by Wolves and went off to join the manager on loan uh, there, so it, it's been a real roller coaster. Good results, some bad results, some good patches, some bad patches. New manager, um, but yeah, the minute we, you know, I predict us to finish seventeenth at the start oh. of the season. 
okay. and uh, we're currently sort of round about there. And so we're right. kind of doing as I, as I thought we would, despite the season going no way at all, uh, sort of not being represented at all of the way I'd sort of seen it going. So yeah. uh, we're not safe yet. The teams at the bottom are starting to pick up the points. It would have been nice from our point of view, obviously, if that bottom three had just been cut adrift for everyone's mental and emotional health. But they haven't been. So it's going to be a scrap to the end of the season. Uh, but it's exciting. It's great to be back. Um, yeah. I was a teenager last time. Ah. We were in this division. So yeah. I'm now taking taking my kids along when, when the tickets are available because it's right. a sellout every week. Um, and that's exciting to see. The club's on the up. Uh, so it, all in all, it's a really positive, positive season so far. But obviously, it's going to be the, uh, the the standings on the last day of the season that are going to tell us how how good a season it's been. For sure, for sure. So you alluded to Stephen Schumacher there. Were you disappointed and maybe surprised to see him leave the club for Stoke? I was very surprised personally. In fact, on the pod, I sort of stated I didn't think he was. I thought he was cleverer uh, than that. Not because Stoke isn't a great opportunity. Clearly, it is. The club has money. It has uh, facilities, uh, Premier League facilities, and uh, and a, um, a budget that we can't compete with. You know, we're, we're sort of down 23rd, 24th at Rotherham with the sort of wage bills and, and budgets that we can provide a manager. However, mm. he is very new to the job, and Stoke has done for much more experienced and accomplished managers than, than Stephen Schumacher. And as much as you, you can't fault someone for backing themselves to to be the one to write that ship, um, it was a great risk to take, and I think that's being seen now in results, he may yet um, turn it around. He may yet, um, if he can keep the club up, or even if they do go down with a transfer season um, to get some players in that suit his his tactics or his, his methodology, he might yet um, turn that around. But it was a big risk to take. And I thought that potentially he could set his career back a, a number of years. Um, to sort of, if, if it doesn't go right, he'd have to rebuild um, the, the body of work that he's got and the, the credit that he had amongst um, amongst football fans and amongst um, you know, amongst those who sort of had admired what he'd done up to that point. Um, now that's not to say he can't do that if things do go badly, but he would probably have to sort of start again at a slightly lower level to to, to, to sort of regain the reputation that he'd garnered at, at Plymouth. Whereas at Plymouth, yeah. if he'd stayed, it wouldn't have mattered even if we'd gone down. You know, if we'd gone down twenty fourth, he would have had the time to to rebuild. That had been stated quite clearly by by the owner. That sort of like that he had the backing of the board and, and of the club to to make mistakes. He had every right to make mistakes, learning on the job, and that he was back. So um, he left a very safe job, as it were, to sort of you know, to, to go and try something bigger. And whether it was the right time in his career, I don't know. Um, I can say his his experiences at Plymouth would be very different to the to the environment he's walking into at Stoke. That said, you you, you can't blame a man for for backing himself to. To, to to try and you know to have the confidence that he can go and do that. So you know time will tell. You know he might yet turn things around at Stoke, get them out of the the relegation zone, put a run together, and and people are talking about the wonderful attractive football that they're now playing playing as as Argyle were doing under him. So it but it did surprise me. I must admit of all the jobs that sort of became available, he seemed to be linked with that is the, that was the one that seemed the biggest risk for him to take. And yet mm. you know that was the one he took. How's the feeling been towards Ian Foster since his arrival as manager? It's been really mixed because we've we've got quite used to gung ho attacking football under under Stephen Schumacher. You know, we I think we're like second, if not bottom, of the league for uh, entries into the for, for carries into the into the box and for uh, three balls into the box. Um, our, we played a very low block and we weren't very good at it, to be quite frank. Um, and then countered attack with the with the dynamic attacking players we had, which included Fidesz, who then. 
got sold to borrow and we don't have on the books anymore, which which does drastically affect the way that Ian Foster can can use the team and, and create. Uh, you know, Finn's dad was responsible for not just sort of twenty five percent of our um, assists or expected assists or creative output, but you know, instead receiving the ball in the final third and his close control, he was then able to to spring players away. He was kind of a the fulcrum of everything attacking that we did. So losing him um, has had a mess, massive effect on what the team can do attacking. But Foster seems to have come in, and although his remit is to continue the attacking style of football, we definitely have dropped off in terms of um, the the vitality of the play, the the sort of the verve of the play. And I think he is trying very much to instill a defensive quality. I think he's noticed that you know. We're scoring, as he put it, we're scoring like a team that's going to get promoted and we're conceding like a team that's going to get relegated. Well, we don't need to score like a team that's going to get promoted because that's not what we're fighting for at this point of the season. But if we continue conceding like a team that's going to get relegated, then there's a good chance that might happen. So I think he's decided to try and focus on some defensive solidity, if at the cost of some attacking output and flair. And that hasn't gone down well, of course. In some quarters, we all like to see attacking football. But I think the more... Um, pragmatic of fans have recognised the need and also that the football when it works is is actually quite entertaining it's, it's a slow patient build up not making any of the high risk high reward sort of balls that, that we might have under Schumacher to try and um, sort of go hell for leather uh, after teams but try and keep the ball recycle the ball not not give away the ball and then pounce when the overloads are created and, and when it works as we saw against Middlesbrough pressing high against Cardiff pressing high it does work really well and it can lead to really entertaining football but um, there seems to be uh, when it doesn't work or when we are stifled in our build-up because of course we're coming up against teams who can shut down um, our squad um, in the patient build-up when we get caught there seems to not be a, a plan B as yet but of course he's you know he's, he's very new he's what one two three four five six and eight eight league games in with a couple of cup games against against Leeds and then and, and Sutton in there um, and the Sutton game wasn't really you know, he was in the building a matter of hours, so that doesn't really count. So, you know, mm. it is going to be a transitional period to completely flip the style. Um, yeah. I think the the jury is out for for a lot of fans. I'm quite excited. I think there's a lot of promise there. I think he's got a much higher football intelligence than people are giving him credit for. Um, and he certainly picked up, you consider the teams we've been playing over that eight games, we're picking up more points per game than we did under Stephen Schumacher and under the caretaker arrangement. So, yeah, if we continue on picking picking up like 1.3, 1.4 points per game, like we have in the league, then absolutely no problems at all. So what would be a good finish for Plymouth this season? Honestly, survival. Um, really? Until with a club like us who are, are, are we don't have the the owner's money pouring in to 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 cover losses, etc. We do have to play things, you know, very, very safe and to stay up collect another year's worth of TV money. That's an episode five million difference, isn't it? In in TV money from, from being in League One, that all of mm. a sudden creates the, the ability to refresh the squad and start to go again. You know, our recruitment mm. team has, has done very little wrong and identifying talent, which then becomes, I don't refer to players as assets, but, you know, in terms of being able to, to generate income um, from those players moving on potentially. Morgan Whitaker is obviously the... The, the big name that people people look at and think for one million from Swansea, maybe one and a half if uh, if, if all the bonuses are hit, mm. you know, there's potential there to make ten times back that 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 amount and, and more. Um, take off whatever the the the, the fee to Swansea will be, um, you know, the, the sell on fee. But there's there's money there to 
to reinvest in the squad and go again. But until we survive that first season, we're still, you know, as one of the lads on the pod likes to say, we're still a League One team until we survive. We're yeah. a League One team the championship currently. Um, so to survive would be good. Obviously, we have aspirations above that. Be, you know, as I say, I predict us to finish 17th, but then some of the teams that expected to be below us have gone and, and done crazy things and, and vice yeah. versa. Some of the teams I expected to be quite clear of, like Stoke, I didn't expect to be Stoke to be sort of mixed up where they are. So you can never tell, can you, at the start of the season? Right now, with, with the teams below winning, uh, putting form together, um, you definitely take survival just to, to be able to get the, the income and, and, and move on. What would be, you know, what I think finishing where we are, 15th to 17th, would, would represent a really good return, like I say, on the budget that we've we've got and on the wage bill that we've got, being a newly promoted team. If we were to finish sort of 15th to 17th, no one could say that wasn't a, an excellent return. On the, on, on the yeah, if we, were, yeah. if we were to perform to what was expected of us, then it would be relegated according to, to the financials, et cetera. So we're out, we're already outperforming mm. um, where we where we technically should be. So to yeah to stay up anything above uh, the dotted line would be a success in all in all honesty and then we can start talking about higher ambitions as the the owner has set out a five year plan to be a sustainable within five years to be a sustainable top top six club um, wow. you know, that's gonna that's gonna that will start next season until next season when uh, when the, yeah. when the, this year we uh, we made a loss having to pay off there were certain financial obligations loans that were called in because of. Um, promotion there was a three million pound payment towards a new training facility and things um bonuses etc paid so we really had you know to be able to pay just the, our, our record transfer fee twice of one million pounds for for Whitaker and Mumba which sounds ridiculous in a championship yeah. contract to be able to do that was was quite something but without mm. those those um commitments next season all, all the money can be plowed back into the squad then we really start to get excited about where we can go but for this season yes yeah, survival is definitely uh, Definitely good enough. Before we let you go, tell us a bit about your podcast, Green and White, uh, why you started it, where it can be found, etc. Yeah, well, I'm a bit of a Johnny come lately to to the pod. The pod was originally started in 2018, um, and then right. it's its first iteration, and then restarted in 2022. Became part of the the Talk Sport Network in in early 2023. Um, it, I think it was originally started by the guys at Argyle Life, which is a um, sort of like a, a hub of, of media. Um, regarding all things Argyle, transfer reviews, reviews of of, of uh, all, all kinds of things, all, all, any sort of interest you have in Argyle, the youth team, the transfers, the you know rumours, etc. That's all there on Argyle Life. And I think the guys behind that began the Green and White podcast back in 2018. It got a reboot, like I say, in 2022 with a new lineup, and I, I sort of joined this right. season after sort of doing my own sort of uh, stuff on the side, but. Um, yeah, we've been going for a couple of years now. Going seems to be going from strength to strength. Obviously, being part of the Talksport network is great to be able to uh, liaise with other clubs, etc., on uh, free views and and whatnot. Join our group discussions and whatnot. Um, yeah. But yeah, that we do all, all, all kinds of things on the podcast, not just the the typical game reviews. We've got a, a series we call My Argyle Life, which we've had interviews with ex players, uh, members of, of of the fans trust, um, members associated with the club um, that work for the club, etc., discussing their history yeah. of supporting the club and uh, and uh, th- their work either on the pitch or behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, the, the pod seems to be going really well. And, um, we're, you know, we're really great to be part of the TalkSport network and, and using those links um, to, 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 to increase and improve our, our output. Ben from Green and White Podcast, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on EFL Fan Network.
Thanks for having me. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Coming up, we'll dive into League One and discuss Bolton's chances of automatic promotion. They're in the mix, but back-to-back defeats won't help. Ryan Latham from the Trotter Chatter podcast joins us next, coming up right here on TalkSport 2. On DAV Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. It's time now for us to head into League One and discuss Bolton Wanderers' hopes of automatic promotion. The club sit third in the table with a game in hand, but back-to-back defeats to Blackpool and Wigan will surely leave Bolton fans concerned as their form begins to stutter. Will they be in the Championship next season? Let's see, as Ryan Latham of the Trotter Chatter podcast joins us now on the EFL Fan Network. So, Ryan, firstly, what have you made of this season so far for Bolton Wanderers? Well, although it's been on paper a more successful season, it's easily been much more frustrating. I think the the pressure of success and, and wanting to get out of this division has really sort of uh, affected my emotions. Like every single game, I've, I've said it's been one of the most unenjoyable Bolton seasons that I've ever had because there's so much pressure on it. And Although we are up there, we're making a real making real hard work of it. And yeah, so it, there's there's only been a few games this season where I've genuinely enjoyed watching us. Right, okay. So back to back defeats at Blackpool and then Wigan. Uh were you left surprised by those results? No. So since the turn of the new year, uh we've we we've made hard work of every single game that we've we've had to deal with against much smaller sides. We've uh, we've scraped through our drop points, and uh, after a sort of a defeat to Wigan Athletic last year, this season four 0 at home, uh, there was a clear sort of gap in between seeing which team sort of it, they felt it meant more to them, uh, and we, we've we've been known in the past to have a bit of a soft underbelly. And I think that was really shown again in two two very big games against some 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 nasty rivals of ours as well. So yeah, unfortunately, I was not surprised. I've seen on social media many Bolton fans seem unimpressed with the tactics of uh, the boss Ian Everett. Would you agree, or were the defeats down to something else? Hundred percent the tactics. So really? uh, Ian Everett has a very like defined style of play that he's he's built up during his tenure. Um, of keeping hold of the ball, um, passing around, uh, keeping possession and retaining possession quickly. Unfortunately, this has made us quite predictable to play against. Like one, You say when a team's been found out, I feel like we've been sort of found out a bit. Teams will sit back and wait for us to make the mistakes uh, as we're sort of passing around the edge of the box. Um, we can be quite slow and we, we're really struggling to create chances as well. So I... I do think that our lack of plan B, excuse the sort of uh, the term, it is a real issue for us. So if Bolton weren't to be promoted or go up through the playoffs, what could the potential fallout of that be? Could we see Ian Everett leaving the club? I think that if we do go up, I think I'm a bit scared about we might have the same issues again because it is quite, it's not the strongest league one. So we go up, to, we go up, we get promoted. We're still in a great chance, even though we're picking up results and we're not playing that well. Um, mm. I feel like the, the the pace of the championship game might we we might really struggle. Where I, I think Everett would be sacked before he leaves personally. Oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, so to to slip into the playoffs instead of the automatic promotion, uh, we know in the playoffs anything can happen. Could you see it being difficult for Bolton to go up? Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's it's tough the playoffs, isn't it? You, you have one bad performance and it affects the whole the, the whole route to the final. Um, we we struggled against Barnsley last year. We we barely turned up, and you play teams like Steve Evans's um, Stevenage, for example. They were a yeah. nightmare against us, and right. the kind of team you don't want in knockout football. Uh, so it, it is a worry. It is a worry. I think we we get to the final, we'd win it, but the the semi final is it's tough, and the, the, there's still some. The, the top six or seven teams are, are strong. Peterborough, obviously, mm. Black could creep in there. Oxford could creep in there, and and potentially Barnsley, uh, yeah. El Derby. So it's, it's it's scary. So Bolton signed striker Aaron Collins from Bristol Rovers, making him their most expensive signing in a decade. How how's he settled in? So when he signed, I was really really happy. I, I thought this is a real statement. This to say we we've bought this player who's had a, a, a great time at, at Bristol Rovers and, and and I've personally myself really admired he's really struggled to settle in he, he's his first kick of the ball he, he whipped in a beautiful cross to get a to get a goal at our place but since then he, he's really struggled to adapt to the system he doesn't look particularly confident but we, we also have that sort of past experience of other players learning taking half a season to learn the way that Everett plays so Victor Adeboyejo he joined in January last year, and it took him a while to get used to things. Uh, Daniel Underloo as well. Um, so I, maybe maybe he's a victim of that. So Bolton are at home to Cambridge this weekend. How important is that game now in getting some momentum back? If I'm honest, you're catching me at a time where my belief is quite low. I think I'm feeling quite deflated about it all. I can tell. <laughs> I, can tell. I, I like to be relatively positive, but it's one of those where I'm trying to find an excuse not to go, if I'm honest. But we need to, <laughs> we need to see a response. We need to, but the, the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? You can say all you want in interviews. We want to see, because it, it's the running now, we've got 12 games to go, and yeah. it, it, we're running out of time to, to hit that good patch. So the big question then, Ryan, will Bolton be a championship side next season? I'm I'm going to ignore your sort of pessimism and just ask you anyway. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, we've been saying it for a long time. We, we were sitting on plenty of games in hand. Uh, well, if we would have won those games or got good results, we would have been up there in the top two. It's still, it, we're still in a good position. Um, my head says no, my heart says yes. Um But like you said, you've you've caught me after two damning defeats as well. So (laughs) I'm not particularly confident at the moment. This this might have been why we picked you, mate. It might well be. (laughs) Do you Uh, want me to cry? Is that what it is? (laughs) No, no. Honestly, we don't. We don't want that. No, no, no. So uh, Trotter Chatter, not the easiest podcast to uh, pronounce. Tell us a bit about the podcast, uh, how it started, why you decided to do it, that sort of thing. Of course, yes. So it was, um, I was watching the playoff final, I think it was Huddersfield against Nottingham Forest. Noticed there were um, two gentlemen who represented their club as a podcast and thought, there isn't really someone like that for Bolton Wanderers. So I thought, why not just try it? Um, yeah. Started off really rustic. We like uh, some of the stuff is deep in the archives now because it was it, we, we, we've we've learned as we've gone, yes. and it's it's just skyrocketed since then. I think people like our sort of uh, our style were quite informal, were quite honest, and obviously having no connection to the club gives you a lot more chance to be 
a bit more controversial and it, it seems to have landed with people. Some people it doesn't, but that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. two years in, we're, we're looking good. Yeah, I mean, you'll find your own audience, won't you? I guess it's kind of, you know, if people like you, they'll they'll stay with you and if, if they don't, they won't. But I think it's important to stay sort of away from the club in a way so that you can say what you want, that 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 kind of thing. Um how can people find the podcast? Are you are you on all the usual platforms or Yeah, so all the usual platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, all that kind of stuff. We also have a YouTube channel. We're still trying to work out what to do with that yet. We've had a few pe- uh, guys from the Talksport fan network on there doing some match previews and stuff but the main pod is on uh yeah all your all your streaming platforms mate it's been uh, absolutely fantastic to speak to you uh cheer up i'm sure it's not all that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll get there we'll get there yeah thank you very much for coming on the efl fan network it's been great to talk to you Thank you very much. A reminder that we have two live and exclusive EFL commentaries right here for you on the TalkSport Network this weekend. Our first is tomorrow evening, live here on TalkSport 2. And what a game it promises to be as West Brom host Coventry City. Two playoff contenders go head-to-head. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff. And then on Saturday at 12.30, live over on TalkSport, we'll bring you Leeds trip to Huddersfield as they look to continue their push for automatic promotion. You can listen to the Fan Network show every Thursday evening at the usual time of 5pm here on TalkSport 2 whilst EFL All Access is every Monday evening at 6pm if you miss any of our shows you can listen back on the TalkSport app and we are also available as a podcast which you can download from your go-to podcast provider, just search the EFL All Access feed. Coming up next on TalkSport 2, it's After the Lights Go Out with Paul Stewart